Pushing Back Chaos with Mel and Mike and Raph. Welcome back to another episode of Pushing Back Chaos with me, Paul Mellon McFadden. We're joined by our usual stalwart, as he likes to call himself, Mike. How are you, mate? I don't even know the meaning of that word. So it's like a strong, you know, like a, a wall that will not fall over. I don't know. I didn't feel like that this morning. I'm going to be honest. I slept in and I woke up feeling like a wet bag of shit. But <laughs> <laughs> that's about what I felt like. I don't know about the other one, but being honest. Wow. Mike made the observation that there's been one of the three of us missing each week for the last couple of weeks, and yet he is the trooper who's been carrying us all through on his shoulders. So I thought I had to mention it in the beginning or else he'll just go on about it for the whole episode. Well, I think the the word that I do understand is consistency. consistency. And uh, I've definitely been consistent. I will say that, you know, and uh, like I said before, man, the legs are shaking holding up the damn weight of the show every single week, dancing around <laughs> you and Raph and, oh, I have to work after this. Please, you guys need to get better. Chesa, you need Australia to, and see my family. Chesa, you need to hem up, hem up your man a little bit. This is getting a little, <laughs> little bit out of hand. Stop making them food. Let's welcome the third guest tonight, Mike. And who who is the third guest? Moi. The third Wait, guest. Well, I'm only here to um, represent all the mothers on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mamas. Well, there you go. Whether you're a mama of children or pets or you care for people in your family or in your community, happy Mother's Day to all of you. She's not getting away that easy. She's not. It's 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 her day, but we're gonna we're gonna throw out some compliments here to Chesa, to Melon's mom, to my mom. The Raph's mom, even though we, you know, somehow she had Raph, but we'll we'll still give her props for many other things. Um, <laughs> yeah, today is Mother's Day in the United States, uh, in Australia, Australia. Australia as well. I think it's different in the UK. So uh, just get on the same page. Let's all just be one. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> it's a little awkward, but yeah, today's a special day, and uh, woke up. And uh, from what Mellon said, they had the grandmothers on the uh, phone this morning, right? And uh, I we did, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, yeah, we where we are, it's like seven, eight hours behind the Australian East Coast, where both of our mums are. So we had the late morning call in to the two grandmums. We got the kids on the on the call with Nana Chris, my my mum. She's a bit mad, you know. I mean. What could you say? She said it was three boys my size plus my sister. She kept everything together on her own for a long time. Uh, so she's like, oh, the phone's ringing. I'm just going to answer that. It doesn't matter that I'm, it's nighttime driving, I'm driving the across the city and it's a video call. Oh, so what, what are you doing? So we managed to just, yeah, we got the car pulled over the side of the road. I eventually figured out she was actually not a passenger in the car. She was driving it herself. <laughs> just, Get home. Call us back when you get home, Mum. I know it's exciting. And uh yeah, so then we had a great, a great just Mother's Day chat with her. And she'd had a wonderful day with family there in uh, Melbourne. And both kids got some time with 
Nana Chris, the uh, matriarch of the McFadden family, which was great. And Cherry also got on the phone with with her mum, who my mum's Nana Chris and her mum is Lola, which is the name for Nana or Grandma or Granny, whatever, in the Philippines, which is where she's originally from. And so they had a bit of uh, time with with both grandmothers. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. And it's hard when you're that far away with that time difference. Um, but it was great to catch them in their evening and, yeah, tell them that we love them. All the important stuff. Yeah. And, Mike, did you get, you mentioned, uh, did you get some time with, with your mum? Did you give her a call? Uh, yeah, I did. And uh, But last weekend I was, uh, I moved. Uh, but I was away, so I had to move into my place really quick, and then I left for work for a couple of weeks. So my place was just a mess. But my mom, being the woman she is, she drove down with my aunt and my cousin and basically put my place together for me while I was away. So I could come home from a pretty rough trip, and I could just sleep and have my my bed and the big stuff all in order. And it just, honestly, it just made the world a difference. It was such a weight to take off or whatever. But um. I, I kind of had to celebrate a little bit early uh, the day anyway. I really tried to just be grateful for my mom all the time. But uh, last weekend I took her out. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny because like one day I'm like dealing with all kind of, you know, military stuff and helicopters and trucks and, you know, blah, blah, blah all this craziness going yeah. on. The, the next day I, I took um, my mom and my aunt to a, it's called Plant House. And we're building flowers and plants and building a terrarium for, for both of them. So they're so you know, literally one day I look like this, you know, dusty scum bucket or whatever with dirt all over me and whatever else. The next day I'm in shorts, you know, flip flops and I'm in there doing flowers with my mother, making sure she has a nice little keepsake from her trip down here and took him out to uh, took him out to a nice breakfast. And nice. uh, and I surprised them with some cards that I slipped into their bags when they left or whatever for Mother's Day. So it was You're one a of the son. Uh, a trying, but yes, <laughs> yeah. The um, it was just nice. It's been the first time in a, in a few years that I actually could like be with my mom around, not on, but around Mother's Day, and just kind of yeah. just nice. But I did call her this morning and. Uh, she was on her way to a Mother's Day uh, brunch with her uh, best friend, Cheryl. And then they were going, I think, to the casino just for a little bit. And that's where they like to hang out. They have like live music sometimes and little shows. And they like to throw in their pocket money and like do a little gambling sometimes. So it, it was nice. And uh, awesome. yeah, I can't wait to see her again. It was nice coming home to somebody and just so happened to be your mom. And I could like hug her as soon as I got home off a trip. Yeah, nice. how nice. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Happy Mother's Day to Mary, Christine, and to Nini. Nini. Yeah. Yeah. And to, and to all the other... She's escaping. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, Chezza. You you always make the show better. <laughs> Thank you. Have a great show. I love you. See you. Love you. Bye. Um, yeah, and... To all the mothers out there and, yeah. and you know whether you're you know a working mom a stay-at-home mom a mother of one uh and anything if you if you're a mother out there uh, we we thank you all today I, I mean us gorillas we wouldn't know what to do with the rest of our life if we didn't come home and have a uh 
have a comfortable home or a good relationship or a tender a tender person in our life to take care of us when we come home hot, sweaty, miserable, you know, ticked off or anything like that. I mean, it's it's really special. Uh, Melon and I and, and Raph, too, we've always talked about like the responsibilities of like men and women and the importance of each in our mm. life and the roles and all that in a relationship and a family. And, you know, the, um, you know, the men sort of take, you know, we're created as like the 80, the 80% masculine and the 20% feminine, feminine. And then the women are 80% feminine and 20% uh, masculine and the different roles of like providing resources and providing security versus providing tenderness and care and, you know, a loving environment and stuff at home. And uh, man, every single time when I think of my mom, like growing up, my, you know, my dad passing at 18 and then just my mom having to be both uh at, at certain times and even when she wasn't prepared for it or didn't know how to address it it just uh i told her this on the phone this morning <laughs> i was just so grateful that she was just there like she didn't have the answer all the time she didn't you know whatever but she was just always there and i think that's the mother's unconditional love that is just so special um and if you know we still if, listeners out there if you still have your mom make sure you call them today really share a moment, maybe not from recent, but maybe from something from a childhood to make him smile because man, my mom was so happy today just to be talking about her. Uh, she calls me Bunks. Okay. Bunks or Bummo, my, my nicknames. And I, I don't care. I'm not ashamed of it. That's my mother. And if you got a problem, you can take it up with that general, but uh, <laughs> she'll let you know. But, uh, but yeah, and we were laughing and just talking about some happy memories and different things. And I found an old card that I traced on my hand when I was little. I think it was about five. And I showed her a picture of it. I was like, hey, Ma, check this out. And she was like, oh, I remember everything about that day. And you came home from school and you were so proud and, you know, had little flowers and stuff you put around it and everything. Yeah, so it was nice, man. It was really nice. I had a similar uh, experience with my mom, you know messaged ahead and sent a message you know just like a text message and a voice message and then <laughs> of course she called me when she's in the car which is pretty funny but i'd i've been having similar thoughts mike you know without us talking about it it was just i've been really thinking a lot about my childhood and what maybe at this age i now appreciate a lot more the sacrifices that are needed you know i just like i was talking with cherry the other night just how hard the, the job is raising kids and making more your life decisions, mm-hmm. which could segue into what we're going to talk about next, life decisions. But to do it on your own, it's hard enough already doing it with, with someone who's fully on board. And to do it on your own with, you know, you and your brothers after your dad passed at 18. And for me, I was mum with four on her own. It's a super difficult job, you know, and I just messaged her and, Told her how much I loved her and what an amazing job she did raising us all. It's funny that you and I both had a similar thought. You know, this year, maybe different than other years, you know, but it's just that nurturing person that you need around when, uh, you know, a little kid stubs his toe, he doesn't necessarily call for his dad. (laughs) I can (laughs) speak from first-hand experience. There's only one person they want, you know, it's that nurturing love that... Is so good for all of us. So shout out to 
All, all of us at the centre from mum's walking to mum. I'm sure all of us thinking about them on days like today. And uh, yeah, I echoes my, Mike's call. It's great, great to give him a call. And I try and get a call in with my mum once a week. And it's just, uh, it's always good. It always puts a smile on my face. Sure does, man. Sure does. Yes. So, uh, so, yeah, the topic today, you said kind of jumping into and, um, man, I, yeah, I, I think it's a, there is a segue into there about maybe, maybe, well, definitely mothers and fathers can definitely relate to, like when you have such a responsibility, when you look at things, there's usually two ways to go about something about a, uh, an opportunity or a challenge that pops up in your life. And you know, two two ways of thought usually come in and it's, should I do this because it's easy or should I go the other way maybe? And I know it's going to be hard, you know, so we, Melon and I were kind of talking around a topic about choosing to do the hard and the benefits of it and why we should do it. Um, yeah. And I think there's definitely a lot of examples that probably every single day that we could look at whether they're small or big challenges or whatever you got going on in your life. But sometimes when every day you wake up and you have to make a hard decision, it, it really weighs on you. I, I know that's for sure. And maybe some days you're like, I can't do the hard today. I need to take the easy way either to take a break or to rest or, you know, whatever. But I think in longevity, you know, just to start out the way is it is important to choose the hard, uh, for a few reasons and you know i think we can start opening that up and figure out why yeah so i've been having these you know a bit of a thought just i'm sure everyone does you've got those uh decisions you're thinking about what you're going to do in your life it could even come down it could be really major stuff about moving internationally or changing career or pursuing a promotion or looking for a certain life partner you know pursuing someone that you're attracted to having kids, like that's life, right? Like in front of us, it just seems like many, many options and trying to narrow it down. When you look back, there's only that one path that you came. I heard it described as the raindrop falling through the sky and hitting the mountainside and going down the mountain, hitting trees and rocks and there's a million options and then it hits the river. When it looks back up the mountain, there was only one way it ever could have gone. So looking back, you know, there's... A clear path we're looking forward is always that fog of war that mist in front of us and i've just been really thinking that a lot of the times in life it's it, it comes down between two options all the time we're thinking about you know should i do a or b the simple one for me this afternoon we're sitting on the couch Cesar had gone for a little uh, afternoon nap with just a tail end of a bit of jet lag from coming back to australia from australia and i was like i could just sit here on the couch and chill out you know for the weekend or i could go to the gym and i just i've been thinking this whole two like a b decision making thing i've just been really thinking about this your brain is going to have the option that you know you should do and then there's going to be this other option there's only a second option offered in some cases <laughs> by your lazy side you know like your your procrastinating side the side that just wants to chill and We've all got it, and it's a survival thing. I don't burn energy unnecessarily. I get it. But for me, in this example, it was like, oh, clearly <laughs> I've got to practice what I've been thinking about. And was, I just got up, went off to the gym quickly before coming and jumping on the call. But it's like that a lot with a lot of, like a lot of things in life. 
you know, saving money or deferring uh, some bit of deferred gratification. So delaying the happy time into the future and putting a bit of sacrifice in now or there's a thousand examples. And I think in nearly every case, like I've been thinking about my own life, in nearly every case, it's the hard choice is actually the right choice. The one that you're thinking you've got a bit of trepidation about. And then there's there's a slightly easier option you're thinking that'd be that'd be easier. And often it will be easier for the short term. But I think you know you have a decision tree where you do that a few times, and maybe there's an initial mountain you're climbing with these difficult decisions, and there's a bit of an initial, you know, downhill walk for a while. But then later in life, I think that there's a, you know, you've got to try and now get your life up to where it was, and you're going to be faced with a series of very difficult decisions. Hmm. And I've just been thinking that in nearly every single case in my life, when there's been an A-B choice between something difficult and something easy, that the difficult choice has nearly always been the, the one that in the long term would have, would have been the best one or was the best one if I did take it. I know that um, Warren, there go the dogs, Warren Buffett, the big uh, investor, very famous investor, he talks about having decisions where you there's a rule of 10, 10, 10, and it was how you're going to feel about your decision in 10 days how are you going to feel about it in 10 weeks? And how are you going to feel about it in 10 years? And the 10-year self is the one that you need to be thinking about most carefully when you are considering these things because that's, you know, you're going to have to live with whatever that decision is for a long time. So, yeah, have you got any thoughts there, Mike? You know, is that A, B, do I do this or do I do that? Do I go and do this thing or do I that, do that thing? That dilemma that we often have. Have you had thoughts around this one uh, yourself, there, mate? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm a human being, just like everybody else. Of course, I have. Uh, you sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two. I just wrote down two examples listening to you, and, and just so everybody knows, like you know, just to reiterate, we don't we don't pre-plan these shows. So, like when we pick the topic or we identify it, it's usually throughout the week or like right before the show. We settle on something, and then we just we just send it uh so all this is like very real and there's nothing rehearsed or anything like that otherwise you know i'd probably sound like an idiot or more of an idiot i should say <laughs> but um yeah uh two things kind of pop my head i don't have a good example uh and kind of how I, I went about it and then a a bad example of how i didn't go about it uh when i was growing up in in high school uh i knew what i wanted to do for my career since i was 11. Uh, I really was set on it. Any, like I said, I think I mentioned the other episode. It's just anybody that knew me back then that they knew me as like that, that guy's going to do it. There's, there's nothing going to get in his way. So dealing, I would say with a lot of peer pressure, uh, throughout high school, uh, man, just a standard partying, drinking, you know, experimenting with drugs or going out and doing like you know, just terrible shit or, you know, whatever, man, that just wasn't, you know, that that wasn't a life for me. Uh, but there was a lot of peer pressure, you know, like some of my really good friends back then that I grew up with since we were like five, six years old, you see your friends go off and they start doing this stuff. And then you show up at a party or, you know, like a regular party. And then you go outside and you see your friends like just getting drunk and you're like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Like, that's not you. Like, that's 
you know, like, or they're outside like smoking or doing, you know, you, you go in the back room and someone's in there like smoking weed or something. And you're like, bro, what, what are you doing? Like, that's not my friend that I know. And then they're like, oh, and they're kind of embarrassed, but then they like go this other path. And it sucks because it's like, dude, that was my friend. And like, I'm really ashamed of what my friend was doing in there. Like, that's not who I, who I know. Uh, times like that, you know, it's, it's that peer pressure. I think that was biggest is just like, you know, I was a lower middle class type kid. Um, I had to work for everything that I had. Um, very grateful. I don't want to sound make it sound like I'm poor or anything. My parents worked their ass off to provide for my brother and I, but um, I didn't have a car. Like as soon as I turned 16, like I had to work for everything. I had a great respect for everything that my parents did that I that I earned. And I, I saw a lot of my friends who had a little bit more, I don't know, buffer security financially, whatever. And they had it better than I did. And they're out doing this stupid shit. And I'm just like, what are you guys doing? You know, like, you're wasting this. Like you're wasting a, such a good opportunity. I wish, I wish I had what you had, but what it comes down to is like what I wanted to align myself with. And like Melon said, it's not like so much in the present, but 10 years from now, uh, who are you going to be? Where are you going to be? And I could answer that since I was 11. It's like, well, in 10 years, I'm going to be in the military and I'm going to be part of this unit and I'm going to be doing some really cool shit. That's my dream. That's where I'm going to be. No question. And anything, every single time it was like, Hey man, do you want a cigarette? Nope. Doesn't benefit me. Don't want it. Um, also didn't help later on with my dad passing away to cancer from that, but that helps. But, uh, mm-hmm. Hey, do you want to do drugs? Nope. It's, it's illegal. It's not going to help me get to where I want to go. Nope. Not interested. Don't want it. And it was just very black and white to make that decision. Um, and I mm-hmm. would say at that time as a kid, in high school where everything is about being social, that was the harder choice. It wasn't easy. It was easy for me, but at the same time, it's like, well, why is it hard? Well, I'm probably going to lose some friends. I'm probably going to lose some interactions. I'm not going to get invited to parties. I'm not going to get invited to certain events. Uh, I'm going to become kind of the gray man, which I did. Not a lot of like people knew who I was, but I wasn't like, I wasn't popular. I wasn't the jock. I wasn't, you know, on the the student council. Like, I, I wasn't known like that, which was fine. I was like, my life is bigger than this. In these four years, like, this is temporary. This isn't going to last forever. Uh, my vision was on, like, 10 years from now and, and taking the small steps to get there every single day. So I would say in a good example, it was turning down partying, drugs, like all this other stuff, because, like, yeah, it wasn't worth it. It, it wasn't in no way, shape or form going to help me get to where I'm at now. Uh, so I, I'm I'm really proud of myself for that. And still today, I'll tell you straight up, I've never done drugs. I've never smoked a cigarette. Like I have no desire to. I'm not, you know, I'm patting myself on the back for me because it's just not for me. Um, mm. But those principles and those decisions lasted my entire life and will continue to. Uh, for the better, because it does not benefit me, and it and I stay aligned with who I want to be in the future. So I think that definitely helped. As a negative, making the hard choice, and this this is just this is something that um, is very relevant for me now as uh, an older guy. 
in, in a leadership position in which I have to mentor and kind of talk to my younger guys about this is as I got older in this job and I was, you know, previously married, I dealt with a lot of stuff that was very, very heavy, which I've spoke on in other episodes. And I think at the beginning, I have a choice to say, I can handle it and, you know, go the easy way and just be like, yeah, I got it. I'll figure it out. No problem. Or acknowledge that hard piece is I don't have a fucking clue what to do, but I can't let anybody see that. I can't let anybody know that. I can't show weakness. I can't talk about it. Like your expectations of me is through the roof because of one, one, I'm a man, two, I'm in the military and three, the, the job that I'm in, you think that I'm Superman. So I'm going to have to let you think I'm Superman and I don't want to seem weak. That was the hard decision. And I chose the easy way of saying, yeah, I know what I'm doing. And uh, I lied to myself for years instead of doing the hard of saying, hey, you know what? Take my pride, take my ego, my arrogance at times, take it away. I need help. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea how to handle what I just went through. I have no idea how to handle losing my team, my, my some of my best friends and my teammates. I have no idea why I'm still alive and I, that didn't kill me. Uh, I have no idea why or how I'm supposed to maintain a healthy relationship when I'm gone most of the time. I don't know how to have a conversation with my, you know, with my, my spouse. I don't know how to address my feelings. I don't know how to, you know, I could just keep going down. These things just kept piling up, piling up, piling up. And I just kept taking the easy way, put on the fake smile, laugh, everything's fine. Distract myself, get a hobby, whatever never addressing the, the the real problems. And uh, that caught up with me. And I know quite a few other guys where it did the same thing. And uh, something so simple now that I look at it, you know, uh, man, I made life so much harder than it should have been just because I didn't want to do the hard, you know? So those are, those are two examples. Go ahead, Melon. All right. Massive. Massive thing to share with us, Mike. I really appreciate that. I, I understand that no partying is a high schooler as well. Like I was joining the Australian Army, so it was a similar thing for me. Sharing there that you, as I understand what you've said there, is that the hard choice not taken was to seek help for trauma that you'd experienced that was having a negative impact in your life later. Is that is that a fair oh, summary? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely is. You know, it was just uh, pride and ego in the way. And, you know. So, so you know, like as a follow-up question, because I know that you you went, you did end up taking that thing. I, like the thought I had when you were saying it's so obvious now, if someone was to come here felt, you would know how to steer them down the path to get the help and support that they need to address these things. And then they'd, like you, they'd be able to carry on and have a great career afterwards and be so much the better for having dealt with it, right? Yeah. But I was like, all of us, it's the fear of the unknown. And having taken the step once and having a, a good, really good a series of outcomes for yourself and your life out of that um, assistance that you sought and that you needed and that they rightly they rightly gave you and you, you, know, you, you were able to take advantage of it. 
having done it once to do it a second time would really be a simple thing. But it's like that. I'm just thinking, you know, for people who are out, out there may know people in a similar situation. I mean, they may be the people in a similar situation. That that fear of the unknown can be the thing that holds you back in this example. Hmm. And that there's part of it, like avoiding a decision is a decision, yep. is, is one thing here. You know, you've got an A, B option and choosing to do nothing, like that's procrastinating. The active decision remains undecided. And therefore, the stress and the suffering associated with decision making, which we're talking we're talking about difficult decisions here. We're not talking about vanilla or chocolate at the ice cream shop. You know what I mean? We're talking about major things that are going to impact your life, like putting your hand up in a military, maybe even a special forces unit to say that you needed help for trauma. And potentially we're thinking this might impact my career. Extending the decision-making time by procrastinating extends the suffering mm. and it extends the all the negative elements about having a hard decision hanging over our heads. And, and so, you know, I, I really appreciate you sharing this as one of your difficult ones that you did not take. But in the end, you did take it, you know, so maybe you could just share a little bit just you know, briefly about what it was like after that when you did say, look, I'm going to get into action here and I'm going to, rather than delaying this decision further in that procrastination piece of just pushing the the active decision remains undecided, suffering extended, not making progress. What was it like for you after you made the decision, Mike? Because yeah. this is a pretty relevant one. Yeah, I would say... You know, after after a while, I mean, I I openly talked about uh, having a breakdown back in twenty episode one, episode one, yeah, yeah, twenty. You're average operator. Yeah, yeah, three years ago, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Yeah, that breakdown, twenty seventeen, man. You know, I I described it as being in a NASCAR and just holding on for dear life and that wheel was just vibrating as hard as i could the wheels were about to fall off and all i knew all i was trained to do is just keep holding on keep going keep going and and in my mind i'm like somebody get me off this this damn track because i I can't i can't drive anymore something like this car is ready to fall apart and i'm just gripping my teeth praying for it and then um you know i thoroughly believe that it was god that pulled me off and interfered think you know um the uh yeah sorry that's a <laughs> that's a shitty time uh what i dove into is why why was i being so protective of my pride and my ego trying to act like i didn't um you know i knew what to do and nothing phased me like why? Mm. What was the whole point of it? So I would look good, so I would be something to people that they thought I was, but I wasn't being true to myself. Like when I really think about it, sitting here, it's kind of silly reasons. And uh, you know, it, it goes on with this like keeping up with the Joneses type thing. You know, it's just like oh, I have to impress other people. I have to be something for other people. They expect me to be this, so I will be that. And it's a massive amount of pressure sometimes. But at the end of the day, it's like, man, these people weren't living my life. These people didn't experience what I experienced or had to go through. And, 
you know, it's just like I do all this training and go on the road and then there's this guy that sits on the couch and, you know, works from home and completely comfortable. And he comes to me, he's like, oh, you know, hey, you need to be harder. And But it's like somebody that I've known my whole life. And I'm like, well, I care about this person. Or is, is that true? Like, am I, well, how do I Im- impress this person? You know what I mean? Or they expect me to be this. So I need to be this. And it's like those little influences that just like add up and push you over the, the edge. But it was like, what am I doing this for, man? Like, who cares? Who really cares about my my reputation? Like, your reputation matters. But at the same time, it's like, what about your character? What about your your human side? And that became way more attractive to me after that incident happened, that breakdown. And it was like, who do I want to be, man? Like, I want to be true to myself. I just, I don't want the pressure or the weight of waking up every day and wearing a mask, putting on a fake smile uh showing up to stuff that i don't want to be a part of uh you, you know it was just this facade um that looking at it that way just really altered how i start living my life every day and then introducing myself to or reintroducing myself i want to say uh my relationship with god and defining my purpose as a man and and my you know what i was supposed to be in every moment and every day which we talked about and Honestly, getting so much feedback from you and Raf, you know, I call you guys my scouts, being like 10 years older than me and having more life experience and being fathers and husbands and everything else. Like you guys share your failures with me and uh, and your and your victories all the time and mentor me. And I just feel so much more prepared now. It's just like I let go of the dead weight, all the meaningless mm-hmm. bullshit. And all my energy now is going towards what really matters. And I always talk about that my, you know, my intimate relationships and friendships, those things that you can't see your emotions, how you feel on a daily basis. Do you do I wake up happy? Do I go to bed sad? Do I you know, whatever? That's the stuff that really matters. Not what other people think, not this reputation. Like, who cares, man, we're all gonna die. Everything's gonna end. It's like, what are you trying to race to? Like, it's not a race. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon through life. And that's that's said all the time, but it's so true when you really think about it. It's just like, you know, <laughs> I always joke. It's like people want to introduce themselves as something to like get something in return, you know? So like if I would go out and be like, oh, I do this in the military and I'm within this special operations unit, but ooh, ah, wow, that's cool. Guess what, dude? It doesn't put money on my table for you being like that. It gives you, you know, about a 30 second compliment. And then I go back to my day. It really changes nothing. I mean, it's nice of you to share something Mm -hmm. cool and like, oh, yeah, okay. But guess what? I'm about to retire in a few years. Uh, Then I'm just going to be everyday Mike. Like, are you still going to want to talk to me? Because I'm just, you know, hey, I woke up, I showed up at your house Mm -hmm. and we're having a having a bourbon or making some barbecue because I'm not that anymore. Is are you still want to be friends with me? Does it really matter? Or do you like me for me? You know, you don't hear no offense to anybody, but you don't hear a guy that works at a janitor as a janitor at a high school for 25 years. And he introduces himself. Hey, what's up? I'm uh, John Smith, uh, former janitor. Like. Who gives a shit? Like, I'm here to meet you, dude. Like, you're my buddy. I like who you are as a person. You know, yeah. it's like, don't worry about the rest of the shit. Make, you know, it, it's like the easy and the hard decisions, man. It's like we put so much weight on ourselves trying to take the easy way because we don't want to face the hard, which is going to be the most beneficial way in the long run. It's just getting uncomfortable sucks. 
it it sucks because people are going to point the finger, call you weak, call you an idiot. You know, you're not who I thought you were and this or whatever. It's like, well, who are you to judge me? You know what I mean? It's like, dude, I'm on a journey that you can't understand. You know, I've been, I've been dealt a hand that you haven't, you know, like, I don't, I don't want you to necessarily understand. Maybe just be my friend. Maybe just be my family member and just be there for me. You know, like I was talking about my mom every single time, man, my mom's there for me all the time when I make the easy decision or I make the hard decision, you know, so yeah. like, just be there. And that's all I ask. Go ahead, dude. So it's, it sounded like a little bit of the concern, you know, that fear of the unknown that was preventing you from taking action there was causing you to, to delay was, you know, you said protecting pride and ego. Why? And that that was for other people. Mm-hmm. And that the, the decision in the end was something that was for you. It was for Mike. And it had you... You know, in the NASCAR analogy, you got the engine changed, got the new tires on, and you were able to get back out on the track. And like, I think that that's a really good, strong, positive message to send out to our listeners who are often they know their family members of, or they themselves are first responders or in the military. You know, you said it yourself, like, oh, a dead weight. So I think that this is an excellent example of that AB do I do this or do I do that? And for most of us, I think in in these kind of careers, we really are used to being the one that's self-sufficient, solve the problems yourself, don't be one who's whining, you know, get it done. And it's I think it's really good for everyone to hear this um, background of what was happening before the decision and when the decision happened and then how it unfolded. And how rapid you, how rapidly you would help someone in a similar situation find that help, or how how rapidly you would yourself go and get that support again if you needed it. Having done it once, you know, there's no fear of the unknown left, and you're just left with the decision and the outcome was the right thing for you, and it was a difficult one because of fear and you know what are the other people going to think? What? And we're all human. We're all pack animals. You know, we're used to dealing with family and friends and coworkers and. And that sense of how how do I look or how am I being judged by these people is very important to us. Yeah. And we can't like we can't be like, oh, well, I'm beyond that. We're all human. We've all got that. That's a critical part of, of who we are. But it's really good and healthy to hear that you made a, a really good, strong, healthy decision for yourself. You're able to put that concern about other people to the side. And then, you know, see the man that you are now in the position you're in and your career and everything else. It's really good for everyone to hear that story, man. I appreciate you sharing it again. Yeah, again, uh, there's no pride or ego. I mean, I really don't care. Um, you know, that's it's just the truth. And the plus side to this is when you, you know, everybody can choose to do the easy and say the easy. Um, mm-hmm. Great. And everybody can relate to that. But for the people that choose the hard and continuously go through the hard decisions, those people have the greatest lessons. They have the, the they they get the big picture, the 30,000 foot view. And the thing that I'm most grateful for now is as a man and as a leader, I went through that and I've seen both sides of that coin and I acknowledged it. 
I didn't act like it didn't happen and I'm ashamed of it. Like I made, yeah, I didn't make the right decisions, but I openly talk about it now. And recently as a leader, I'm now mentoring young, young men that I work with and guys that are coming in and they're getting, it's like talking to a mirror, you know, or going back yeah. in time and listening to myself talk yes. and they're like, Hey man, like this is what I'm dealing with. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to be okay, man. Like, Ask me, ask me how I know. I've really ask taken that. I've, I've really taken that quote on because it's kind of funny because it's true as I get older. But you know, and then we sit down and we talk for 30, 45 minutes about life and decisions. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. How you want? You're so focused on now because you're beat up, you're tired, you're stressed out. You got this going on. You got this going on at home. Your family issue, but whatever. But dude, look in the long run. Like you don't, you don't want to wind up like me. You don't you don't want to lose your marriage. You you don't want to lose this relationship. You don't want to get overtasked with work. You don't want to become a toxic mm. person. You know what I mean? Like that's where, yeah. where you're gonna go if you continue on this path. And I think when you're present and you can inject yourself and speak to it the right way to other people, preferably like, you know, it could be your peers, but younger people that you're influencing, uh, mm. that speaks volumes and that gives them direction because I mean. We live in a society now where, uh, you know, parents, but in generally fathers are non-existent or that communication barrier is is so thick that uh, parents aren't really teaching necessarily their kids like they should. And they're learning from social media on how to deal with problems or go about life or be competitive within life and social status and look at me, look what I have and all this shit. And if you don't add up to it, people are getting depressed and and hurting, harming themselves or killing themselves. And it's just like, well, where are the parents? Like who, who's really teaching people on how to be and make the hard decisions for the right reasons. Mm. You know, it, it's, it's super easy to make a post about how great your day was on Instagram. That's the easy way. How about, um, you know, I posted that video on our uh, story is like, you want to be a man, you want to, you want to be a real man, go and apologize to the people that you hurt emotionally first. That's a real man. Dude, that's hard as shit. Yeah. That's hard yeah. as shit. Can you, th can you think about that? Think about five people that you, you really hurt emotionally, line them up and then go stand in front of them face to face and apologize to them uh, genuinely, like sincerely mean it. You tell me that's not scary. You tell me that's not hard because why? Because you're going to feel like a piece of shit, you know, but yeah. that, that, that's, that's some real strength, man. That's, that's a start. If you want to turn around and make some changes. No joke. That was Mike posted a video there. It was like, guys talking about, you know, claiming to be tough or claiming to be hard or whatever, whatever it is. And I was, if you think you're so tough, go and apologize to all the people you've heard emotionally. It's like big, big steps. And a lot of things are going to hold you back from that. There's going to be a lot of fear of judgment by other people. Again, like Mike was just saying here about, I think it was causing him to not put his hand up and ask for help. Some of the stuff that I've thought about with these difficult decisions, things that have assisted is getting distance from the decision. So like when you're in it and you're thinking always with the, you know, you think about oh, I or me, 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 it's very difficult sometimes to get into action. And some of the ways I've, I've had more effect have been like 
thinking about if I was advising someone else in this situation, like you've just been talking about there, Mike, if I was a, a mentor or in a senior position or a friend or an uncle or whatever it is, someone came to me with this, what would I, what would I be telling them to do? And pretty much I guarantee they're going to be saying that a hard decision in most cases, but just getting that little bit of distance to remove yourself from it can help. Um, so thinking about how you're going to feel about it 10 days, 10 weeks, 10 years, so you can get that time perspective because you're not playing a short game. This is not, we're not playing the next, you know, it's not the one match, we're playing the whole season kind of thought and it's not it's not this play that's important, it's the, the long-term stuff. And there's going to be different parts of us that are going to sort of argue with each other. There's going to be the, you know, there's like a pleasure-seeking or a, the one that's the part that's conservative or the one that wants to take a risk or whatever it is, they're all going to sort of just recognize that you're going to have those different parts with different wants. You don't have to identify with them. You can just sort of observe the, the way that that argument's going. And if you can get that distance, it can really help. And one key thing that, that you mentioned, Mike, was uh, that assisted you in your decision was revisiting your objectives getting really clear on what it is that you're doing ultimately. What what objective are we pursuing here where I'm getting stuck? Like for me earlier today, I was going to the gym and it was super clear as soon as I just went on doing this A-B thing on myself, you know, that I want to maintain fitness and strength and I've got to go in my rugby, I've got to play with my son when he, when he turns 18. I just keep thinking, man, that's a long way in the future right now. And my broken body's not going to put up with it. But for Mike, it was... You know, for him to return to being a, a super effective, the, the career he's in now was the objective. You know, like, what am I doing here? And that can just take away all that ego and fear and be like, no, 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 this is the this is the overall objective and what is serving that objective rather than just getting stuck in this moment of decision, which we all find hard. So there are a couple of things I thought. For myself, there was, uh, I was really different person when I was, uh, preparing to join the Australian Army when I was 17 and then when I was preparing to join the Australian Air Force when I was 21. And when I was sort of waiting to join the Army out of school, I actually had a real sense of trepidation and started thinking I didn't want to go. And I pretty much stopped exercising and was just partying with mates and put on a whole load of weight and got really unfit. <laughs> and the uh, the Army disabused me of any notions I had and, you know, I dropped like, 10 kilos so what's that like 22 pounds in six weeks or something when I started and was back in shape pretty fast having that decision the one time the second time when I was 21 and joined the air force I just was like I know what's coming here and just went back to like a peak fitness program you know I was running three miles to the gym and doing an hour gym workout and swimming and then running home and as just a just a physical element of preparation and I've got to tell you, it was absolutely a breeze to just do all the physical fitness and everything else associated with the officer training school at that time versus how hard I made it for myself for those first six weeks. <laughs> uh, the first six weeks in the Australian Army was a lot of, uh, a lot of, Melon was vomiting a lot in the runs. That's just, <laughs> uh, and I was just, it was just so much easier having done that hard work. So like that hard early decision and, you know, then you're up on top of the plateau and you've got to, you've got to cruise because you've taken the ridge line up and now you're on top versus taking the easy way now and then you're left with a vertical climb. 
Yeah. I was on the vertical climb <laughs> when I was uh, joining the Army. And it was just so much easier in the Air Force. And that's a really simple, but that was me. And that was two times, you know, joining two different military organizations. And I, the second time around, I was a bit more clear with the, the long term, what was going <laughs> to, what was going to be happening. Was I going to be seeing my breakfast again every morning on the run? <laughs> yeah. It, well, I really like, I really like how we're hitting on the the future part and thinking about, you know, aligning yourself with like, where do I want to go mm. and take the, take the work out of it, you know, take your job out of it and everything. Like look at life and what there could be ahead of you. That's, 99.9% going to happen as a human being, right? Everyone dies. Everyone gets sick. Uh, children grow up. Children are born. You know, you can go down the list of it. Find some things that, you know, like Melon, like I admire the shit out of Melon for this. Like his goal is to play rugby with his son when he turns 18 so they can be in the same league in the same game. And, you know, hopefully they're on the same team and he doesn't run over and <laughs> completely smash his son. You know, like he's going for the try of his life and, and Melon just comes out of left field and just blasts Michael. You know, he's like, not today. I waited 18 years for this, you know, but <laughs> but, some, but some lifelong goal like that. Uh, that would be so important to drive you. And I would say, you know, if it's a lofty thing, if it's an intimidating thing, if it's a scary thing, if it's the unknown, then do, you know, we talk about do an honest assessment of yourself and be like, where, where am I at? And what am I weak at? What am I not prepared to do? And then you're going to see those two paths start being formed of like, well, this is the easy route and I can probably go this way and I might get it. Or, you know, like Mellon says, like, yeah, he knew what was coming when he switched over Army to the Air Force and was doing his runs and whatever. It's like, you know, that's going to be a kick to the stomach. So it's like, how bad of a kick do you want it to be? You know, like I could get out and just run every single day and just grind the living shit out of it. So when I show up or when it shows up, the you know, the ugly baby that we put on the table, when it shows up, you're way more prepared to deal with it. You know, it's not like this magic fairy dust where it's like, oh, well, when this happens, I'll be I'll just meet it. I'll just yeah. I'll just deal with it. It's fine. I'll figure it out. Like when I hear people say that. Like, it's not that I don't want to be around them. It's just like I probably am not going to come to you for advice. Like, yeah, I like, I like intentional people are just like, hey, you know what? My. Uh, you know, hey, I got deployment coming up. And I know what we're going into and it's going to suck and we're going to deal with A, B, and C. Yeah, that sucks, man. But I'm not going to be a slave to it. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I'm going to do this, 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 and this and be intentional and choose the hard pathway because what's waiting for me is going to be way harder. Yeah. And scary. And, you know, I'll admit it. And I'll tell you what, dude, you know, I got my last deployment, God willing, uh, coming up for my career. Uh, if if I wouldn't tell you that I'm not nervous and scared after even after 16 and a half years, I would be lying to you <laughs> because I am for a lot of reasons, because now I'm responsible for other guys lives. 
even mm. more so in my position. And it's my job to like go and do what I have to do and then get them home safe while, while executing at a high level. Um, that's intimidating. That's scary for me, but there is a pathway that I can see where it's like, I need to spend the extra time. I need to stay late after work. I need to take mm. the, the extra time to mentor. I need to double check them and be like, Hey, are you guys thinking about this? Do you have this? Hey, maybe we approach this differently. And it might make me look like an idiot or like a, you know, something sometimes where guys are like annoyed just because they don't understand yet. But it's like, that's, that's my job. That's my responsibility. And it scares me because I don't want to fail. Nobody wants to fail. But if I do fail or mess something up, I don't have a lot of time to wallow in it. And I need yeah. to be prepared to learn the lesson and and go right back to it and hit it hard again until we win. Like that's the lifestyle. That's the, <laughs> that's the job. And uh, I try to do the same for life now. Although some things require more time and you can't just turn around and be like, Oh, hell with it. Forget it. And I'm going to crush it. Some things last longer. Emotions last longer. Pain lasts longer relationships last longer like that stuff takes a long mm -hmm. time to process and get through it's not just like a firefight um you know the whole hit them and forget them type thing uh maybe it maybe in war maybe but at home when it's like someone you know, like your wife or your loved one or your children or something else man that's a whole nother battle and that that uh that that road can be a lot longer than maybe another but yeah, do that assessment of yourself and really just think about those things going in the future, man. In a professional sporting fitness uh, career and military, as uh, Mike is describing there, you can put these decisions in the context of its competition. You know, if you're the salesman and you're thinking, should I make those extra five calls this hour? You can be like, well... There might be another guy out there doing that, another girl out there doing that. If you've got a an objective of, you know, I want to create a meaningful, intimate relationship, you're like, well, you know, I could go and get that counselling or I could get myself in shape so I'm more physically attractive or I could deal with that trauma so that I could, you know, not have those things come up again. There might be someone else doing those things that you're not. In a sporting team, you know, am I going to hit the gym for that session this week? All the opposition, they could be doing that. And in Mike's position, that extra training, that elite standard, that uncompromising professionalism, there's a, comp there's a competitor that is out there. And so it can help motivate you to take that, that difficult decision when you put in the context of someone else out there might be doing the same thing. They might be taking all those hard steps, are you willing to do the work? And it can just put you in that right frame of, yes, I'm going to step down. I'm going to take that, that A pathway that I know the right is the right thing rather than procrastinating or delaying. And it could be a whole myriad of decisions. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, good decisions. Just go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, uh, just to kind of close this up, I know we're about to hit time. Worrying so much about what other people think mm. more now than ever with social media and everybody having access to everybody. Um, you know, I, de I deleted my social media. 
I got rid of it. And honestly, it's been about two months now. I don't, I'm, I feel way better. Like I just am more productive in my day. Like I'm not, I'm really have more time to focus and I'm not like sitting on my phone or, you know, getting notifications and I'm like, Oh, what's this? And Oh, look at this person. And I go down the rabbit hole. Right. It's just like, I got rid of it. But my point is not having, uh, that pressure anymore. There's a confidence that has grown from it because of the mm-hmm. actions that I've chosen. So choosing to do the hard, my career, um, living living by myself and managing a, a place by myself, my bills, you know, just everything being alone is hard. That's a choice. Um, multiple other things. If people are coming up to you and saying smart ass stuff or, well, you're not who I thought you were, this, that, whatever, or they're just like, oh, you, why would you put up with this? Or why are you trying to do this? You know, and they're just trying to like talk you down. It's kind of hard to explain this, man. It always is hard to explain these deep things, right? It's like, mm. well, you can say what you want. And I don't mean this arrogantly. It's out of confidence because I've put the work in. I have a great job that I've gone and done great things at that most people will never even know about. And the stuff that I have. So you can't take that away from me. I know I've chosen my hard like 98% yeah. of the time. You can't take that away from me. If you if you know everything that I've been through, through personal life, combat, and everything else, yet I stand in front of you. You still like being around me and you tell me, Mike, you're a good dude. You got great character. You're always nice to talk to. You're always present. You're always whatever. What does that tell you? It You can go through some really hard, terrible things and still come out okay. It's not going to be easy, but you can still come out okay, if not a better version of yourself. Because you have to figure out, man, like, where do you want to be in the future? Where, who do you want to be when all that stuff is said and done? You know, and. Um, it's I, like I, if you're making those decisions that are the difficult ones that are ultimately causing you to generate yourself as a better version of yourself. That can be that really deeply, like, strong, earned quality self-esteem that you don't need. You know, these winds of freaking social media, people doing things for other people's clicks as a as a high line, but it is in normal society, you know, what sort of car you're driving, people looking over the fence, all that sort of stuff. You don't need the approval of others as much. You're able to resist and just be true to yourself when you've had, you know, you've had some results from taking these strong, difficult decisions and you've advanced and you've become a better person from pursuing a difficult a difficult goal and then that can give you that strong self-esteem that can carry you through some of the slings and arrows of uh you know criticism that does come is that sort of that was what i was just thinking when you were talking just now i was, I was, I was just thinking about that deep and sustaining self-esteem that can come from knowing your your capability and your character versus worrying about what other people think yeah dare to be different the people the people that are a bright light that are you probably look up to they're not following the everyday normal flow of bullshit they're out there pushing themselves challenging themselves choosing the hard paths 
that's where growth comes from. That's where lessons come from. Uh, you have to dare yourself to be different, break the mold, get out and be uncomfortable. Hot, you know, go freaking play hopscotch down the road of failure. And you're going to wind up in a, in a much better place, whether you realize it or not. Um, when you turn around and look at somebody that didn't even dare to take one step, you know, it's like, what the hell are you doing back there, dude? I thought we were going, you know, and, and then it's just like, well, Hey, I'm going to continue on this path because I'm, I'm already halfway or I'm, I'm on a, a good path here, even though it's hard. Um, yeah, for sure. But dare to be different. That, that, that's what I want to close with. And, uh, you know, it, it's not, it's not that, uh, superhero status. It's really not. It's just making a choice. You know, I hear people all the time. Uh, I do get compliments because my closest friends and family know what I've been through and everything else professionally, personally. And it means a lot when they just so I, I just can't, I just don't see you doing what you do and how you handle stuff with who you are. Like it doesn't make sense because I see so many other people struggle and whatever. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that arrogantly, but it's just like, well, well, yeah, that's because I don't want to be that kind of man. Like, I don't envision myself as a toxic, terrible, hateful person. I, I don't want that. I want to be a, I want to be a strong, dangerous man, a disciplined man. I want to be capable of, <laughs> you know, taking out the bad people and protecting my family and my friends. But at the same time, like, I want to be a father in the worst way. I want to be a wonderful partner. I want to be sitting, sitting at a kid's table. Uh, you know, if I have a daughter dressed in pink and having a tea party, you know, and being present with my kid and just not giving a shit about anything else in my life. It's like, I want to be daddy and and that's all I want to be. Or I want to take out my significant other or wife to make her feel like the most important thing in the world and how much I appreciate her after everything I've been through that I can come back and there's a person willing to accept me for who I am and loves me and cares for me and, and everything else unconditionally. Right. Um, that's who I want to be, man. I don't have room for anything else. And my choices become very clear when, uh, yeah, that's right. When it comes to that. The life you want is on the other side of a series of difficult decisions, right? Absolutely is. Well, Mike, thanks very much for just, you know, really opening up and sharing with us again a, a, a great topic, I think, difficult decisions and decision-making. And again, a shout-out to all the mothers out there, the mothers, you know, that have kids, the, the mums who may have kids coming, the ones who can't, the ones who have fur dogs or plants. Uh, we appreciate all of you guys out there. For the episode, if you've uh, enjoyed the content in any way, please subscribe, like, leave a review, share it out into your network. Um, we're trying to encourage these healthy conversations of people trying, you know, to build ourselves up and uh, moving forward in life. And uh, yeah, leave us some comments. We got some. <laughs> we just got some great, great round of comments. I'll read them out next week. There's some good banter. <laughs> I heard that. Uh, T.O. Raff may have ridden around Guam in a moped in a very specific outfit. We'll have to ask him about that next week. I'll have to check in <laughs> to see it. But, uh, yeah, like, review, share, and uh, send in feedback because we love getting it. Until next week, take care.